Hi, this is Ruth Friedman. I serve as the Maharat at Ohev Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. And this week we have Parsha Pinchas. Oi. It is quite a story about um, a man who is thought of as the first knai, the first zealot. And what I wanted to do today is look at this word in the context of the rest of the Torah and consider what it means, because the word plays a very strong role in the story of Pinchas, and in a way where I think we're not really entirely sure whether it's a positive thing or a negative thing. So let's look specifically where it plays a role in the story of Pinchas. So Pinchas, of course, sees Cosby and Zimri um, worshiping Baal Peor and takes a spear and stabs them both through the stomach, thereby killing them in front of everybody and stopping the plague. So in, that was in last week's Parsha. And in this week's Parsha, the Parsha opens with God saying, God, I guess, articulating the reward um, for Pinchas and articulating how God thought about Pinchas's actions. And so God says, Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aharon Kohen, heishiv et chamati me'al b'nei Yisrael, bekan'o et kin'ati betocham, velo chiliti et b'nei Yisrael bekin'ati. Using JBS translation, Pinchas, son of Elazar, son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the Israelites by displaying among them his passion for me. So that I did not, did not wipe out the Israelite people in my passion. So, so far here, it's translated as passion. And then the next pasuk, God says, Say, therefore, I'm going to grant him my pact of shalom, my pact of friendship. And then um, the last pasuk, well, not the last, second to last, It shall be for him and his descendants after him a pact of priesthood for all time because he took impassioned action for his God, thus making expiation a kapara for the Israelites. So what it seems like is happening here is that the word kana plays the role of connoting passion and that God was very angry at the Israelites and Pinchas did something out of passion for God that therefore calmed God down both to stop killing the Israelites and also to reward Pinchas. Now, this is actually kind of strange, independent of the fact that it seems to be rewarding violent behavior, but that aside for a moment. Linguistically, it's strange because this word appears before now in the Torah, but it seems to have different meanings and different connotations. So first we see the word appear in Bereshit. Now I just did a quick search in the concordance for this. Um, and so the word, the first time that the word kinah ever appears in Bereshit is with discussing Yitzchak and the Plishtim. Um, and Yitzchak has a lot of cattle and all that stuff. And then the Plishtim says, that the Plishtim, they got jealous of him. The next time this word is used is when Rachel sees that she has not had children for Yaakov, and then Rachel Rachel gets jealous of her sister Leah because she has children. And then the last time we see it in Bereshit, the third time, is when we see that Yaakov is treating Yosef, he's favoring Yosef, 
And so then it says, that Yosef's brothers were jealous of him. So in the context of Bereshi, it seems to mean jealousy. And it only takes on the connotation of passion once you get to Bamidbar. So it doesn't seem to appear at all in Shemotz or Vayikra, but it does come back in Bamidbar. And where does it come back in Bamidbar? It comes back in the context of the Sota. So the Pasuk says, what's going to happen? A man is going to, you know, well, let's just read the Hebrew. That a, a, a passion um, or jealousy is going to come over this man, um, the husband for the Sota, and he's going to, it, here, the, I think the, it starts to get muddled between jealousy and passion. He's going to be jealous of his wife, or he's going to feel passionate about it, right? There's this sense of that this isn't just a quiet jealousy, but this is the type of thing that's motivating him to act, that he really doesn't like, and so he's bringing her to the Kohen for the Sota ritual. And so the word appears in that context. And then it appears in Bamidbar chapter 11, when Yehoshua comes to Moshe and says, Eldad and Medad are prophesizing in the camp. And Moshe kind of retorts to him, So Moshe kind of says to him, what, are you like acting passionately on my behalf? If only everyone was a Navi, right? If only everyone in Israel was a Navi, that would be amazing. So oh, once again, it's, it's, a, it's a passion, right? It's something that is rooted in action. And then we see the word, the last time the word appears in Zvarim is in the context of Pinchas. So this is interesting because it seems to have a fairly abrupt shift in meaning from Breshit to Bamidbar, going from jealous to passionate, or really zealous, as we call it today. Now, it's very interesting because the word does mean, the word kuf nun aleph does mean two things in Hebrew, and that's both jealousy and zealotry. Now, it's interesting, first of all, why, but also that they have a similar or similar language in English. So jealous originally comes from a, an old French word. Zealous comes from the Latin. And so even though they have different origins, they did sometimes have overlapping meaning. And then sometimes they've been used to mean the same thing. And now, of course, they sound very similar. So I think it's clear that there's some kind of a connection between these two words, even though it seems like the context between Breshi and Bamidbar are just pretty different, that these are two different concepts that are being discussed. So the definition of jealousy um, I, that I looked up, the definition I thought was the most applicable for our context is jealousy generally refers to the thoughts or feelings of insecurity, fear, and concern over a relative lack of possessions or safety. Jealousy can consist of one or more emotions such as anger, resentment, inadequacy, helplessness, or disgust. Zealotry, on the other hand, is the dedication or enthusiasm for something. So it's very much outward. It's the passion. 
And as we said in the Torah, it has a largely negative connotations. Sota is not a great thing. The husband doesn't look great in Sota. Moshe uses it to yell at Yehoshua. It also comes up in Devarim in the context of a punishment um, for Hashem giving the Israelites based on how the Israelites were acting. And so it's really only with Pinchas that we can dispute whether it is positive or not. So Chazal also, it's worth mentioning, they're mixed about Pinchas. Uh, you know, one of the, my favorite shearing that I've given before in Pinchas is how did the rabbis think about what he did? And there are some texts that view him positively. After all, Hashem is pretty clear that Hashem approves of what Pinchas did. It's hard to dispute that unilaterally in the text. On the other hand, Chazal discouraged zealous behavior, right? They say that if Pinchas had come to consult um, and then they would have said, no, of course you can't kill Cosby and Zimri. And then if he'd gone ahead and done it anyway, he would be liable for the death penalty, that it would have been considered murder. They don't like this behavior very much. And certainly they don't look at zealots as a category of kanaim. This is not something that they think about positively and not really something that they condone. And so I think the question is like, is Pinchas part of that? or the exception to that. And there's plenty of room to debate it on both sides. But of course, today, this year, because I think this is a, you know, this is the sort of the fundamental question of the story of Pinchas. And so I wanted to frame it in a more like interesting, unique way. And so this year specifically, I was thinking about it from the linguistic perspective we discussed. Now, now that we've defined them and seen the role of um, the word kanaz that refers to jealousy in the Torah and the word kanaz that refers to passion or zealotry in the Torah, we have to say, okay, so what do these words really have in common in the end of the day? And I was thinking about it, and I think that one commonality that jealousy and zealotry share is that they both, they're natural dividers of people. When a person becomes jealous, they see something that someone else has, and they resent that person. And we all know that jealousy can create toxicity in a relationship and drive people apart. Even in a group of people, if one person is jealous of somebody else, it's going to have a negative impact on that group because it is a very toxic feeling, which is probably why the Torah and the Ten Commandments discourages us from coveting things that other people have. It's really toxic for relationships. Now, as it seems, zealotry is kind of the opposite because it's a very outward projection of feeling. Jealousy is something that you harbor inside. It's a feeling that, that grows inside of you and that will bubble forth and will have more subtle impact on your relationships, but not something that is explicit, right? You probably don't get up and announce in front of all of your friends that you're jealous of them because that's an uncomfortable feeling. We just don't really talk like that. But zealotry is very outward. It's an outward display of passion. It's something that happens in front of other people, just like Pinchas. Pinchas literally happened in front of the whole nation. And so... It's like jealousy, you're harboring ill will. And in zealotry, you feel negatively about someone, but instead you're projecting it out. But like we saw with the examples in the Torah, that just drives communities apart, right? I mean, Moshe uses it as an accusation against Yehoshua. The sota, it can really destroy a marriage. And so I think the question here is, what role does zealotry play in relationships in the story of Pinchas? Now, as we said, we can argue that Pinchas' actions were good because God says, you stop my anger and Pinchas stopped the plague. But we also have to consider what Hashem's reward for Pinchas was. And it was the kahuna. 
right? God says, okay, basically you and your descendants, you're always going to be the Kohanim. And we can argue until now, it wasn't necessarily something that transmitted through the line, but that each generation had new people come up. It wasn't a given that a Kohen's children would become the next generation of Kohanim. But what does it mean to be a Kohen? Yeah, okay, it means you serve God. But what does it mean vis-a-vis society? And I think the answer, what we see is that really Kohanim, they're separate from the rest of society. They have different rules about how they can function. I'm sure their Kohanim today feel isolated at times when Lo'aleinu, someone dies and they can't go to the funeral, right? It's something that divides you from everybody else. And their lives were heavily regulated. This isn't, you can no longer be a free independent person functioning in society when you're a Kohen. It's restrictive, even if it's a high, you're, you know, it's a holy position, it's still one that's restrictive and still one that prohibits you from functioning as a full member of society like the other, you know, Israel, the lay citizens. And so I wonder here, given the context of kin'ah, both as jealousy and zealotry, is one message of Pinchas is that zealot cannot actually be part of a society. You can't be a zealot and you can't be and be part of a community. Because zealotry, it's anti-community. It means you get inspiration for something and you just act on it. You don't consult anybody else. You just do it. It's some, that's not something that builds community. That's something that drives people apart. And interestingly, Eliyahu, Elijah is the other person referred to um, as a zealot. And they say maybe Elijah and Pinchas are the same person. And he was someone who wasn't connected at all to society. He lived separate from society. He was very punishing towards society at times. So it's clear that a zealot is not a good community member. And I think that's where we can see a subtle commentary on Pinchas, that even if God wanted him to do that thing in that moment, it's still, you can have that be true while it also is true, that Pinchas actually separated himself out from the rest of society in that moment. And the only response was to permanently isolate him from society. So I, I, I also, I think it's it's worth considering, you know, in today's society, we live right now, our society is really, um, you know, there's lots of talk of cancel culture and, and what that can mean. But I think we, we're really admiring and, and rewarding when something happens and <clears throat> people act zealous on their behalf that, you know, I don't know, someone says something that other people think is wrong or offensive and you just jump in on that and you take every action to stop it, um, even if it means that person loses their job and what have you. And I think that that can actually be a really good thing sometimes. I think that traditionally people who haven't had power, haven't had power, (laughs) um, and this is a way to give disenfranchised people more power. I think that's really positive. But I think we have to remember that it should be rather be a tool that we use in certain circumstances rather than a praiseworthy part of our culture. In general, we should try to give people the benefit of the doubt. In general, we should try to give people a fair trial. God doesn't want, society doesn't want, or rabbis don't want a bunch of pinchases running around, right? You have a bunch of pinchases running around, you don't have a community. Community means trust. Community means faith in a just system. Community means everything pinchas stood against. And so I think sometimes, you know, zealotry can feel really good. It can feel really good to look at a situation and say, this is wrong and I'm going to do something about it. It, it, it indulges a part of us and we find it very satisfying. And I think where we have to check ourselves, and maybe where Pinchas didn't check himself, 
is to say, okay, but why am I really acting like this? Why do I want to shoot this other person now in this particular situation? Is it really because they deserve it or is it because it's feeding something within me? And one of the stories of Pinchas is we have to have the wisdom to be able to engage in self-reflection and really try to be aware of what's going on in our minds. Shabbat Shalom.